0: Welcome to On The Move, the global mobility podcast brought to you by Vialto Partners. Vialto is your ally in mobility, tax and immigration solutions. We spark meaningful growth for your business and your people. At Vialto, we push the boundaries of global mobility, powering positive outcomes in business and beyond. Our teams partner closely with you, providing extensive expertise and seamless tech-enabled experiences so you can mobilize a dynamic global workforce and unlock potential.
1: Hi there, and welcome to On The Move, the global mobility podcast by Vialto Partners. In this episode, we're continuing our series on contingent workers and the implications they have from an employment tax perspective here in the U.S. My name is Tina Schraub and I'm an employment tax partner with Fialto based in the New York Metro area. Today, I'm joined by my colleagues, Lygia Donas and Priya Schwartzberg. Lygia is a partner based in Washington, D.C. and leads our federal employment tax practice. Priya is based in Philadelphia and she's a director in our employment tax practice specializing in state and local employment tax matters. So let's kick off. Let's talk first about some of the trends we're seeing in this segment of the labor market. Are we seeing an increase in contingent workers? And if so, what do you think is driving that trend? Lygia, maybe you can um, you know, let us know what you're
2: seeing in this space. Sure, thanks, Tina. So we've certainly seen a huge uptick in the contingent workforce, both globally and in the US with contingent workers becoming an essential piece of many businesses. The trend is being driven as a result of a number of factors on both the worker and the business side. So for the workers, the flexibility and autonomy provided by being part of the contingent workforce can be for some workers more appealing uh, than being an employee. Businesses also value the flexibility and breadth of the talent pool they can tap into on an as needed basis Bridging any knowledge or skills gap they may have in their workforce and tending to bring in new perspectives while tending to be more cost effective when taking into account savings from not having to support a full-time employee's salary and benefits as well as financial and administrative overhead. So contingent workers allow for, again, a flexible or an elastic approach to talent as they permit businesses to change the size of their workforce in line with demand and market conditions, rather than having to deal with potential layoffs as demand decreases, and then a shortage of talent as demand goes up again. Contingent workers can also be hired to address specific organizational goals, such as productivity, innovation, efficiency, again, on an on-demand basis. So that flexibility is really key for businesses and contingent workers can, to an extent, allow businesses to provide flexibility without certain associated risks or costs such as allowing workers to work from anywhere in the world without triggering or hopefully without triggering the need for businesses to register as an employer in those locations the flip side obviously is that contingent workers come with a host of tax and benefit risks such as worker classification and labor law concerns
1: so we know that contingent workers are treated differently from actual employees when it comes to taxation Ligia, maybe you can speak to some of the
2: federal employment
1: tax risks?
2: Sure. So, it, you know, in general, the risks with contingent workers generally revolve around worker classification and labor laws. On the labor law side, those deal with things like employee protections, such as overtime pay, um, certain leave entitlements, et cetera. And there are also other, you know, broad risks, right, such as security concerns, intellectual property concerns. Quality control, et cetera, that may be involved in, in some circumstances. Here we're going to focus on the worker classification um, from a tax perspective. So a- as background before we get into the actual risks, on the federal side, while there's always been a focus on worker classification in the the recent, I guess, few months uh, since the end of last year. Uh, There's been an increased focus on the labor side with the Department of Labor issuing proposed regulations on how to determine worker status from a labor perspective. That doesn't affect the tax side. It's just something to take into account. And the IRS and Department of Labor recently renewed and slightly expanded at the end of 2022 the 2011 Memorandum of Understanding to Address Worker Classification Risks. So the updated memorandum of understanding or MOU now streamlines the process for IRS and DOL investigating and addressing businesses that misclassify workers, including a stronger referral process and stronger enforcement tools. So the tax risk for employers, um, again, in that landscape where there is this increased focus on worker classification uh, from the administration and, again, tax side and labor side, is that workers that are misclassified result in the company being liable for all back taxes for prior open years? So this includes Social Security, Medicare, additional Medicare taxes, right, FICA taxes, federal income tax withholding, and federal unemployment taxes, plus potential penalties and interest. Something to note there is some companies think, well, the em- the workers had been paying, for example, self-employment tax, so the government's whole, I'm not gonna owe the FICA tax, or they've been paying the federal income tax withholding. On the on the FICA side, just to note, self-employment tax is generally not credited against FICA, they're different taxes. And so the company's not off the hook just because the employee may or may not have paid, or the worker may not have paid uh, self-employment tax. So that that's something to keep in mind. And I'll note there's certain federal provisions that are available if applicable to mitigate the risk and or cost, such as section 530 relief and reduced rates under section 3509. There's also at the federal level, the voluntary classification settlement program available to companies that want to voluntarily reclassify workers as employees on a prospective basis without having to wait for audit. Those are all available In this context, at the end of the day, employers need to weigh any pros and cons in hiring contingent workers with the risk that tax authorities can challenge that worker status, again, resulting in the company being potentially liable for significant amounts in back taxes and potential penalties and now potential referrals to Department of Labor, which could result in further enforcement on the wage and hour side. And this issue is particularly important for business models that rely on contingent workers, for example, some, some gig economy workers.
1: Wow, igia there's a lot to consider on the federal side. Um, so maybe we turn it over to Priya so we can hear about some of the state employment tax risks associated with contingent workers.
3: Yep, on the state side, from a tax perspective, the issue of misclassified workers is most often reviewed in the context of a state unemployment tax audit. From our experience, these types of audits are often triggered when a contingent worker files for state unemployment tax benefits. If the individual was not classified as an employee by you know, company ABC, for example, and therefore was not reported to any state for unemployment tax. When this individual files for state unemployment tax benefits and lists company ABC as his or her employer, there's a high probability it'll trigger the state unemployment taxing authorities to take a closer look at company ABC.
1: Okay. So definitely a risk of an audit. Sounds like,
3: um, what are some of the impacts to the employer? Aside from the inherent costs of having to defend a state unemployment tax audit, like, time considerations, representation, etc. If the state finds that the company misclassified workers, there will be costs associated with the state unemployment tax liability for each worker, along with penalties and interest. Now, for state unemployment tax, the cost per worker is usually not too high. You know, there is a wage base in place that's generally pretty low, and, and if the tax rate isn't too high, you know, we're looking at, say, 10, 20 misclassified workers, it's probably not going to be a huge liability. But let's say this is a company that has hundreds of workers that are found to be misclassified as independent contractors. The tax liability there could be significant. We've also seen payments to individuals reported on 1099s reviewed as part of a New York state withholding tax audit. We don't see that as often, but, but we do see it sometimes. The potential tax liability to a company for a misclassified worker is naturally going to be higher in the withholding tax context versus unemployment tax because the amount of state income tax an employer is required to withhold will almost always be significantly higher than the unemployment tax liability.
1: Thanks so much, Priya. So We all know governments are looking to maximize revenues in a tough economic environment. So have you seen uh, any increase in audit activity? And if so, anything you know, any, from any specific jurisdictions and, and what they may be focusing on? So Lygia, maybe you can start us off with you know, what you're seeing from the IRS.
2: Sure. And from an IRS perspective, I wouldn't necessarily say there's been an increase in, in worker classification audit. But when you do take into account the memorandum of understanding I just discussed and the increased IRS budget under the IRA, along with a tax cap that the IRS has been trying to address, employers should certainly expect worker classification to be part of any IRS audit. That said, worker classification has generally always been part of IRS audits where certain factors are present. Those include things like numerous 1099s issued by the business, especially if, if on the other side there's low... W-2s issued. Certain business models that operate primarily via use of independent contractors are also generally audited uh, for worker classification. Issuing both a 1099 and a W-2 to the same worker, even if in different years, can be a red flag to the IRS, as can issuing a 1099 to an individual over a period of more than one year as it can signal an ongoing relationship. So if, if you have those factors um, present, you can potentially expect worker class to come up in the context of any audit.
1: Okay, thanks, Lygia.
2: So Priya, what are we
1: seeing on the state side from, from an audit activity perspective?
3: Yeah, so we've definitely seen a sharp increase in the amount of state payroll tax-related audit notices that our clients are receiving, particularly in New York withholding tax audits. Now, while we're generally expecting these New York withholding tax audits to focus more heavily on remote worker and convenience of the employer issues, I wouldn't be surprised if New York scrutinizes the classification of independent contractors a little bit more than they have in the past. As mentioned before, a worker receiving a 1099 typically will not have tax withheld on that 1099 income, so there's potential for the state to collect some significant tax dollars in this area. In terms of state unemployment tax audits, these have remained steady, and the focus continues to be on payments reported on 1099s under SSNs, as this is where the auditor will generally find misclassified workers if the company has any. Payments to businesses or sole proprietors that are reported under an FBIN are far more likely to be properly classified as independent contractors, so the states generally don't focus as much on these.
1: So... Priya, how can employers mitigate risk associated with contingent workers?
3: There are several things um, a company can do to mitigate risk here. You know, first, having a process in place for determining how the business is coming to the conclusion that a worker is an independent contractor and not an employee, and also keeping good records to support the conclusion, how they, how they came to that conclusion. Just because a contract states that the individual is an independent contractor, that doesn't necessarily make it true. It's based on the facts and circumstances and how those are applied to the standards the particular state has with respect to this determination. While the states vary on how they determine whom is an employee versus an independent contractor, some things to be careful of are, are you issuing 1099s to an individual under their SSN or to a business under their EIN? Do you have individuals who you classified as employees and issued W-2s to whom you have now switched to a 1099 or vice versa? Do you have individuals whom you provided both a W-2 and a 1099 in the same year? And do you have individuals you report payments for on 1099s who do the same or similar jobs as current employees? Those are just kind of a handful of of things that you may want to look out for if you find that your business meets, meets one of those. Okay, thanks.
1: And, Lygia, any other thoughts on how employers may be able to mitigate risk?
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything Priya said and having a process in place and enforcing that process for determining worker classification is is really key. Uh, We have seen clients with robust processes in place for worker classification but if and when those processes aren't followed, they end up with exposure. So I'd add that it's, it's good to do reviews to confirm the procedures are in place and are still good. For example, if laws change or you know anything, and that the procedures are being followed by the business. It's also good practice to review, for example, contracts. If you have pro forma independent contracts in place, it's good to review those occasionally and tighten the contract language as much as possible. And to try to draw as bright a line between any workers you have that you treat as employees and those that you treat as contractors, so that if tax authorities come in, there is a a distinct line between the two groups.
1: Thanks so much, Lygia and Priya. This has been great. Uh, Really appreciate your time and insights on this topic. That's all the time we have for today. We'd like to thank you for joining us for On the Move. We hope this was time well spent. We'll be talking to our experts on contingent workforce in other parts of the world over the next few episodes, so keep an eye out for those. And of course, if you have any questions about managing your contingent workforce, please reach out to us or your usual Vialto employment tax contact. Until then, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to On The Move, the global mobility podcast brought to you by Vialto Partners. For more information, please visit us at www.vialto.com. Vialto Vialto Partners and Vialto refers to the subsidiaries of CD&R, Galaxy UK Opco Limited, as well as the other members of the Vialto Partners global network. The information contained in this podcast is for general guidance on matters of interest only. Vialto is not responsible for any errors or omissions or for the results obtained from use of this information.